We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of KCSN Update with the stories, stats, headlines, and rumors people are talking about to get you caught up on all things regarding the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Rotating guests with different perspectives. The latest episode of KCSN Update, presented by DraftKings, begins now. What's going on, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to this episode of KCSN Update, presented by our friends at DraftKings, the exclusive sports betting partner from us here at KC Sports Network. I'm BJ Kissel, hanging out with our guy, Tucker Franklin, here on this random. We're recording this on Friday. We're going to post it on Monday. It is the dog days, not not dog days of summer, but it's the dog days of Chiefs content uh, with not a lot going on. Slowest time of the year, so we get to get creative with the types of content, the types of discussions that we have. And excited about this one, Tuck, because... Um, you get to kind of talk through some of the offseason moves and kind of rehash everything that's happened. They all kind of happen uh, in a row. We kind of get to break them down. But we're going to break down the top 10 offseason moves for the Chiefs in terms of free agency yep. and players that came in or players that re-signed as far as what kind of impact that they'll have going into 2023. Right. They made more moves like in the draft, right? And yeah. like that's what we were talking about. We limited this just to free agency just so we had a list of guys that we can go through, give our top 10 most impactful moves. And look, last KCS update I was on, I said I'd be back next week. The week before, I said I'd be back next week, and then I had to do another show. So I keep lying to people about about me being back next week. Uh, I guess this is actually on a Monday. So I guess I wasn't wrong about being back yeah. next week. So Hope- very excited to get to this one. Hope we get used to it. We can break a little news here. I'm just in my head. I'm realizing we talked through a lot of this stuff. We're going to be hearing a lot more of you yeah. uh, as yeah. we get into the fall. You're going to be hosting a lot more of the KCS and updates. Yeah, we'll see how people like it. Uh, uh, no, I'm really excited to do that. I'm excited to, to give people the news, right? There's a lot of, like, as you mentioned, like a lot of these free agent news happened like back to back to back to back. It all flies at you very fast and to kind of give some like digestible, quick little hitting nuggets that you can just watch a video and know everything what's going on. That's the goal. So hopefully that's what you get out of KCS and update. And hopefully uh, once we get a little bit closer, we can do uh, a little bit, uh, some more fun content like this. Absolutely. Well, looking at these 10 moves, four of them are re-signing, six of them are new faces, and we're going to go in reverse chronological order, reverse order, and starting with number 10 in yep. the 10th most impactful, and not to not to 
downgrade the move that could end up being a big one. I like Nick Allegretti, but uh, the re-signing of Nick Allegretti we have as our 10th um, ranked offseason move for the Chiefs as far as what kind of impact that'll have going into next season. Looking at his numbers in his career, obviously spent four years with the Kansas City Chiefs so far. He's played in 57 games, started 12. He's kind of that interior swing guy that can play a few different positions. Isn't going to start unless there's an injury but a valuable guy that knows the offense, knows the system that everybody's comfortable with there. Uh, has been around Andy Heck for a long time. Uh, like the move when it happens, just one of those that makes all the sense in the world. But compared to some of these other moves with guys who we know are going to be on the field, uh, that's why it's down at number 10. For sure. A one-year deal expected to be on the veteran salary benefit. Uh, first member of the 2019 draft class actually to reside. Um, so very interesting about Nick Allegretti there. And I, and I like what he adds to the team. I know you see him in these heavy packages that they like to put him in there and run that fullback uh, type position, that nasty back. Uh, so he does uh, add a lot of versatility. We saw the Chiefs really focus on depth this offseason when it comes to just kind of everywhere on the field they focus on depth. This is a good depth add, good depth signing. You need a guy that can play all a bunch of different positions in the middle. You got that on the tackle position, which we'll talk about later. But you need that guy who can play all guard positions and even some center Nick Allegretti is that guy that does that. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to number nine. Uh, another big guy on the other side of the ball and the re-signing of defensive tackle Derek Nadi. Uh, played in 17 games last year for the Chiefs. He's only missed a handful of games in his career looking uh, just through the box score numbers. Uh, yep. Looks like, at least in the regular season, he's only missed four games in five years. Uh, he's played in 81 total games for the Chiefs during his five years that he's been on the field. 193 tackles. Um, four sacks, a forced fumble. Uh, and looking at last year, those are the positions, Tucker. It, I think everybody listening knows this. We're all informed fans here. For that position, tackles, some of those traditional box score stats don't always tell the story of how impactful a player uh, has been. But at the same time, looking at those numbers, had the least amount of tackles in his career last year, had just 25 total tackles in 2022. Compared to 2021, he had 38. 2020, he had 47. 2019, he had 48. So a little bit of a difference there. But again, a familiar face, a run-stopping, big-body guy who's familiar with the defense. And honestly, it was a position they needed to bring somebody back yeah. uh, based on what had happened up front. And it was a skill set with signing guys like Charles Amenehu, uh, a guy that we'll get to here later. Um, but a different body type, different skill set mm-hmm. up there. Two-time Super Bowl champ at only 26 years old. Um, that is that's pretty good, as you mentioned. Doesn't miss a whole lot of games. Played in every game last year for the Kansas City Chiefs. Started all 17, uh, and that's a guy that you want on the defensive line. Didn't have his best year, as you mentioned, but a guy who has a lot of experience, especially in a room now that is looking a lot younger than it did last year. Uh, you want a guy like Derek Nottie to kind of be the staple, the anchor in that room, and I think that's a good signing uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs to bring him back, although maybe he didn't perform the best as he could last year. Maybe with more guys healthy and the way that, you know, kind of defenses are looking now, just throwing waves of different defensive linemen. Chiefs have kind of started to build their defensive line like that. The Eagles did it last year. Yep. Maybe that can help them. Maybe that can help them not play as many snaps and just be fresh more. I'm excited to see what they can do. I do really like this signing. I know we have them at number nine, but like it's still, I think, a, a signing that's very important for not only this year, but like the future of the team as well. Yeah, we talked before, like 
we always talk the big money moves and those have to work out. And you need your star players to go out there and play like star players. But you win Super Bowls because of guys like Nick Allegretti and guys like yep. Derek Nadia. At different times, they have to step up. And we saw it during a couple of different Super Bowl runs where there were injuries. And going back to, you know, the not this past Super Bowl, long before that, I mean, even Patrick Mahomes going down for a few games. Matt Moore had to step up and play well. It happens at every position. And then just because it's not the guys who you're always paying attention to is the guys away from the ball. Does it make any less impactful or any less important? Uh, and the guys in the locker room, the coaches there, they know that. That's why they speak to those things um, as to how important, you know, having role players and guys like, again, guys like Derek Dottie, Nick Allegretti, and some of the other guys that we're going to get to uh, that are new faces that are going to be in similar situations where yep. they need to step up and play. I just think it's funny that we talk about Derek Dottie now, and the Chiefs could still add a Frank Clark. They could still add a Carlos mm-hmm. Dunlap. But right now, at 27 years old, Derek Dottie's the old guy in that room and tells you uh, – Red Veach and company, they like the youth movement. They like uh, the young athletes uh, getting them in there. And uh, nice, nice to see Derek Naughty back. And uh, side note, love what, the stuff he's doing in the community. With oh, yeah. Always buying the adoption fees to working with, I don't know if it's Casey Pet Project. I think it is. is it? Okay. I didn't want to say the wrong company and get anyone upset. Uh, but great to see him doing great things in the community. He's always uh, come across like a really good dude. So uh, great for Derek Naughty. Let's move on to number eight, uh, another re-signing uh, and Justin Watson, uh, the Chiefs wide receiver that had a sneaky good season last year. Uh, I know a lot of the box score numbers probably won't sell the impact that he had at 34 targets, finished with 15 receptions for 315 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Tucker, I can specifically remember at least three or four of those catches kind of coming in high leverage huge uh, situations. And I think it was a, a lot of time during that stretch of games in like November, December, where the Chiefs weren't playing great. They were kind of playing down to their opponent. And they were games that the Chiefs should have won by 10, 14 points. They were a little bit closer than they should have been. Mm-hmm. A lot of games that people were just kind of overlooking, but made some plays in those games to ensure that they won the games. They absolutely should have won, should have won by more. Ended up being a little bit closer. Justin Watson was making plays in those games. So again, 315 yards, not killing it in that regard, uh, but good special teams player and uh, made some big time catches in some big situations. And that's the point that I wanted to bring up too. You know that Steve's not Steve Spell, Dave Tobe is gonna want a wide receiver five, that wide receiver six to be able to contribute on special teams. If you can get three hundred yards from him on offense, that's perfect. But you know that the wide receiver five and six is going to uh to be a special teams guy. He signed a two year deal, three point four million, I believe, yeah, one point eight million is uh guaranteed, which one point three he got at signing, according to over the cap. So not a lot of money for Justin Watts there. Two-year deal, so they want him on the books for next year as well. Uh, and he did he did come up in some really big situations. A guy that played when, you know, a lot of these other wide receivers got hurt in the AFC Championship game. And again, a guy who stepped up when he needed to step up. I do think he's going to be a guy who is going to make the roster. You start looking at this wide receiver room. I've had this conversation with several people. Pretty crowded in there now. Uh, when we start to talk about him, we'll get to some of the other ads that they got in, in the uh, the draft or in, in the free agency, then not talking about the drafts, wider additions that they got. It's a pretty full room, but I think Justin Watson's got himself a, a spot, especially when you look at that contract. He got two years, $3.4 million with $1.8 guaranteed. That looks like a deal that's going to be on the roster, and he's going to be uh, contributing on special teams too as well. So uh, I do think that he will have an impact just because that wide receiver room, as we saw last year, doesn't have that star standout guy. It's going to be all over the place. Patrick Holmes is going to spread that ball out outside of Travis Kelsey. But he's going to spread it all out, and I think that he's going to be one of those guys that's going to come up and make those big plays when he has to. Yeah, I 
in looking at his numbers throughout his career, spent the first three years of his career uh, with the San Francisco 49ers, 2018, 2019, 2020, he was on the field for the 49ers uh, and just had about 600 yards total, um, 700 yards total with those teams. And then spent last year with the New York Giants. Uh, similar, I'm assuming similar language with the offense, knowing that Mike Kafka is offensive coordinator up there. There's going to be some similarities uh, for him coming into this system. So, but last year finished with 70 targets, had 57 receptions for 569 yards for what was a really improved New York Giants. Seeing a lot of people like to make fun of the Giants. That offense, they're turning things in the right direction. Brian Dable's done a yep. good job. Uh, Daniel Jones looks like a young quarterback who's got an opportunity uh, to really develop. It's going to be a big year for him. Uh, but it's really hard to compare what can a player do with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Obviously know that there's going to be more opportunities, but there's also more competition. It's a you're spreading the ball around to guys like Travis Kelsey and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Sky Moore and your number one receiver for the Chiefs offseason and Justin Ross. And what's he going to be yeah. doing? Uh, so Richie James is the, is the exact kind of a player and opportunity that I get excited about, about going up to training camp and watching to see how he does. His development, how comfortable he gets with Patrick Mahomes within the system, not only within the framework of how the plays are supposed to be run, but when plays break down. How does he, how do he and Patrick get on the same page? Uh, not, I want to say like Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, because that's yeah, the most uh, deadly combination the NFL has ever seen. Uh, numbers now back that up. But Richie James is a player I'm excited to watch when we go up to St. Joe. Yeah, Richie James is one of those guys, too, that I think can really fill that uh, McCole Hardman type role. I know there's been a lot of negative connotation about that, right? But yeah. that role has been so needed in this, in this yeah. offense with Patrick Mahomes with Andy Reid and a guy that can move laterally very well a guy who can take those jet sweeps a guy who can run like that no we got to talk about sky Moore taking that but i think richie james is kind of in that situation too dave tobe also talked about him and it was a as a punt returner which is also very big in in this uh in this whole offense as well so i think that's gonna be interesting it's a good point and i know we talked about it. i know i i brought it up i know kent's brought it up on the lab that when a player that runs those plays in that package is injured when mccall hardman couldn't yeah. play it took a chunk of the chief's offense out with the jet sweeps. I know they tried it. We saw Sky Moore try to run some of those plays. And even as quick as Sky Moore is, there's a diff that that difference in speed and explosion or whatever you want to call it between Sky Moore and McCall Hardman and running those plays. They were not nearly as effective. You saw him run some of the bubble screen stuff and a lot of the around the line of scrimmage, get the ball in the hands of of your speedy wide receivers. Isn't just about highlighting their n- natural speed, athletic ability. It's the way that the, the Chiefs offense is designed. Like sure. the formations, the way all those things are set up, and it just doesn't work if you don't have that athlete. They had it with Tyreek. They had it with D'Anthony Thomas when uh, Coach Reed first got here. Always want to have that package in your playbook available. Uh, and we'll see if it's Richie James or some other guys that uh, that may fit that mold uh, as well for the Chiefs. But Richie James, um, again, player that we're excited to, to see up at training camp. And we're going to get to the set. Now, so those are the top – for bottom four, we'll call it. Number 10, Nick Allegretti. Number nine, Derek Nottie. Number eight, Justin Watson. And number seven, Richie James. We'll get number six right after this quick break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, welcome back to KCS, an update. I'm BJ Kissel hanging out with Tucker Franklin. We appreciate you spending part of your day with us. Uh, we know you are a diehard Chiefs fan. If you are listening to podcasts about the Chiefs and the uh, dog days of Chiefs content, uh, which is that uh, after the draft is kind of <laughs> wound down uh, before um, training camp, it gets really dire after mandatory mini camps down here in a couple of weeks. But uh, even so, we all, you know, waiting on pins and needles for highlights and things to come from the Chiefs official account. The B riders who are out there watching practice, there's only certain things that they can report on um, uh, by rules uh, to go out there and watch practice. And so there's only so many things that you can take. And a lot of questions we'll start to have answers as we get to training camp. But until then, we're all Chiefs fans here and we want to keep talking about it. So mm. we're narrowing down or we're knocking out our, our 10 most impactful moves the Chiefs have made this offseason regarding uh, new faces coming in or players that they re-signed. Again, we've done the bottom four and now we're at number six. This one might surprise some people, Tucker, yep. uh, where it's at because of the position and how much has been discussed about this player since coming over from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But it's Donovan Smith. Uh, we have at number six as far as the most in, 10 most impactful moves the Chiefs made this offseason. And it, it could be we're very wrong on this one if he ends up playing a much, much larger role. Um, but right now, I, I'm comfortable putting them there at six for a few different reasons. But yep. uh, how do you feel, Tucker? The Donovan Smith signing, I, I can speak for me personally, caught me a little bit by surprise. You know, after the draft, it was it was kind of one that was like, oh, I didn't necessarily expect him to sign an offensive tackle right now. Uh, but a guy who doesn't miss a whole lot of games, I believe he's only he missed games last year because he even said in his press conference he played through some things that he probably shouldn't have played through, uh, and then ultimately made them worse. I actually really liked his first press conference. I thought he was a, a very good guy, very relatable guy, and. I so jump in. I hate that part of things yeah. because we punish players who don't 
play as well when they're playing through injury. Right. But then when you get mad, when you find out that they're kind of injured, but not a hundred percent, well, get out there and play. You're going to trash them for right. not playing as right. well. So right. they're damned if they do damned, if they don't. And at this point, you can't really blame players for not getting out there. If, yeah. if we as fans are criticizing them, you know, GMs and the people negotiating these contracts are going to use anything they can to create as much leverage on their side to not pay as much so they can use the money in other places. So anyway, sorry, quick rant. No, no. drives me crazy. That's fine. I will say up until last year, he only missed two games in his, I believe, seven years uh, leading up to last year. So a guy who is on the field a whole lot. The dog. It, he he really is. And last year he did struggle. He had a lot of penalties. Again, that could go back to overcompensating for some injuries, not playing out fully healthy. He also had a turnstile next to him at right guard. Or yeah. left left guard. There you go. I forgot. I got directions. Uh, but he... That Bucks offensive line had so many injuries, there was no continuity there. I think that also plays into it. And if you can put him at left tackle next to maybe the best left guard in the game right now with uh, Joe Tooney and the consistency there, I think that that's probably the best idea to do uh, if if he does end up playing there. And as you, you and I were kind of talking about before we started the podcast, you're like, what's going on with this offensive line? There's been a lot going on with the offensive line. There's been different configurations. They're trying to figure it out as much as we are. And I know that... Uh, Donovan Smith was actually asked in his press conference, he's like, yeah, what makes Patrick Mahomes so great? And he said, honestly, I'm just trying to learn the playbook. <laughs> I'm just trying to, he's like, I, I look forward to figuring that out. But right now, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. But I did like that from Donovan Smith. Seems like a really good guy. And I, I want to see him succeed. I want to see him come in there. But even if he is a swing tackle, the money he signed for is not like you have to start. Like right. you have to put him at left tackle. You have to put him at right tackle. Uh, he can be a swing tackle kind of in the, in that role. But They've got a lot of good tackles on this team now when it comes to the depth, and I'm really excited about this addition the more I look into it. And you brought up a good point. I think everybody's kind of shot off their takes um, on the Chiefs' offensive lines because yeah. things slow down and everybody, all the Chiefs content creators were all talking through it, Chiefs' Twitter, everybody's you know sharing their opinions on everything. If you would have said at the beginning of the offseason that here are the players the Chiefs ended up with, I don't think it would have been confusing or it would have been fine. Right. I think it was the order in which it all happened and the way in which yeah. things were described, especially with Juwan Taylor. He's going to play left tackle. He's going to play right tackle. They put all the information out there. And then Donovan Smith comes in and then it just kind of changes the whole thing. It's like, right. wait a second. What happened? Like the It was like the day after the players reported. Uh-huh. So it's like, what happened with Niang? What happened with all of what made them decide to make this move? Uh, with some of you know the behind-the-scenes things that could have happened. And so that's where it kind of caught me off guard. Happy that he's on the team, more competition, more uh, talent into those rooms, good player, veteran, has a lot of experience playing in a really important position. Um, but we'll see how it all checks out. And that's what training camp is for. But uh, the one thing that it did tell me was uh, that Lucas Niang was going to fight an uphill battle for sure. uh, to make the roster beyond a practice squad, uh, to be one of those top guys. Um, those 11 or 12 who make the active roster. And then you start to kind of massage a 53-man roster and you get to those swing guys. And that's where Niang kind of finds himself now. And that right. adding Donovan Smith didn't help his case to make the roster uh, any for a player as, as much experience as Donovan Smith does. So, um, but again, solid player. Let's move on to number five, the top half uh, player um, that sneaky good, mm-hmm. sneaky good signing. I uh, really enjoyed uh, the fact that Brett Veach and company went out and got Mike Edwards, a veteran safety that's got some experience, played a lot of games for the Bucs, and played a lot of big games uh, for uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, yeah, I it'll. I really wish I was at a practice. I, you can't say too much because you don't know how they're lining up, where they're playing. For sure. But it's like him and Shamari Corner, I think, could really be fighting for that third safety spot. <laughs> how quickly can Shamari Corner come up? 
Uh, but you know, you've got Brian Cook, you know, you have Justin Reed, um, who are going to be back there when they go to those three safety looks. It very easily could be Mike Edwards coming off a good season at 82 tackles, two interceptions with a touchdown, uh, pick six, uh, last year, again, experienced player didn't cost a lot of money and they got an opportunity to have, again, a veteran players play to make big games come out and, and kind of solidify the defensive backfield, which got a lot of young guys out on the outside. And it makes sense, right? As you mentioned, a lot of young guys in the the cornerback room, the safety room in general. Brian Cook is now looking at the number two safety role. Yeah. Played really well at the end of last season, and I really think he's going to be a breakout candidate. Talked about that with Aaron Ladd on on a podcast. I think that he's one of those guys that I'm really uh, looking at for for a big year from him. But Mike Edwards is one of those guys that you know is a sneaky side. You kind of forgot that they signed Mike Edwards, and a guy that you you mentioned it. Had uh, three touchdowns, one return or three touchdowns returned for a touchdown over the past two years, and that's the most in the NFL in that time period. Huh. So he's a guy who makes plays. He can make plays on the ball. A good guy to put in that kind of third safety that 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 position there. So I'm really excited to see just kind of how the development another year with this uh, the secondary and adding these veteran pieces like that. You mentioned Shamari Connor. That's another guy in there too that can learn a whole lot from a guy like Mike Edwards, a guy like Justin Reed, a guy like Legereus Steen. So there's there's guys in there now to kind of help the those second-year players get a little bit better. And I think Mike Edwards is a great addition. Yeah, and we should mention, since he wasn't on the, the 10 list, in case you were waiting here, Deion Bush is another guy that could be in the mix uh, for, sure. for that safety position. But another one to kind of a low-key to see how that comes along. Uh, but I think anybody that has studied or watched our draft content about Shamari Connor how versatile he is, how many different things he could do for you. Um, his head right about now is probably spinning like crazy with as many things oh, as he's gosh. getting thrown at him. Uh, but we know Steve Spagnuolo is shown the ability, um, despite some comments that he made at the beginning of last season, liking veteran players, gave him an entire defensive secondary of rookies, and they went and won a Super Bowl. And I really loved getting off from safety here, but talking about the corners, because anybody who's listening to any of our shows, I know we've all talked about this, the jump from a first year to a second year is so huge for these players because they spend an entire year and an offseason getting ready to play football for a system that they finally understand. Whereas as rookies, you come in late in the process. You spent all offseason studying and preparing to get drafted by running 40s and doing all these exercise, like yeah, <laughs> being really good at exercising uh, <laughs> to go back to, uh, God, what was it, the show? He's bound and down. Yep. Uh, it's like, I play real sports, not good at exercise. These guys spend all the time getting ready for the combine drills and the three cone and all that crap um, that now they're getting ready to play football. And you see that jump. And Steve Spagnuolo talked about it last time he spoke with the media huh? where the uh, it's the light years ahead and those young defensive backs, guys like Trent McDuffie and Jalen Watson and Josh Williams and those guys that were out on the field last year playing very high, uh, very at a very high level for the Chiefs defense now those yeah. guys are so much better like that's exciting not just for the corners but for the safeties those guys ability to go make plays Shamari Connor is the one that I'm excited to see how quickly they can develop him and kind of where they put him how much do they throw at him right now uh, and how much do they bring him along teach him one spot and then add on or just keep throwing crap at him and see how much sticks yeah it could be like a D or a Dion Bush you got me thinking about Dion Bush now it could be like a Brian Cook situation where early on in the season you didn't really see him a whole lot but towards the end of the season uh yeah, he was huge. Like he was, he was a big. He made a big play in that Super Bowl, to lead to an interception. Made some really big plays in the Cincinnati game. Uh, I really like 
what I've seen from Brian Cook. And when we when we watched the highlights after his draft, we're like, oh, this guy, this yeah. guy can hit. This guy's but, fun. And we're seeing that now. It's kind of Spags MO though, isn't it? Where the first half of the season, he's just throwing a little bit of everything out there. In the second half, he's honing in on the sample, the sample size of what they got in the first half of the season, and then they focus on what's better. Somebody had done like a deep dive statistical research on Spags defenses, and it's like second half of the season playoffs you're getting the A stuff. Like yeah. the first half is just figure out what we have and then hone in and and really get after it. Yeah. Uh, you look at just the Chiefs teams that have won the Super Bowl. It started off, you're like, this defense isn't going to do anything. And then it's like, okay, this <laughs> defense is pretty darn good now. And yeah. It's a script. It, it, they all follow the same script. All right, let's move on to, to number four. Uh, this one might surprise some people uh, thinking that maybe you'd be a little bit higher. I know we mm-hmm. debated yep. this when we were coming up with this list. Uh, but at number four, for the Chiefs' top offseason moves, he was bringing back running back Jarek McKinnon. I think going into the draft, I obviously signed after the draft, but going in, a lot of people, kind of the idea out there, the Chiefs may go find a third down back, go find somebody that's got a little bit different skill set than Pacheco or somebody that can uh, go into that room and, and make an impact. You don't want to take anything away from what Jarek McKinnon had done, but there was that thought going into the draft while also still hoping to bring Jarek McKinnon back because anyone who's paid any kind of attention to what the Chiefs have done will not downplay how important Jarek McKinnon has been to the Kansas City Chiefs and winning uh, big games over the last two years. Not just the Super Bowl win uh, last year, but even the year before. No, they didn't get to where they wanted to be, but they wouldn't have gotten as far as they did had it not been for Jarek McKinnon, yep. who I believe was fourth on the team in receptions, targets, all of that in the passing game as a running back. But last year finished with 72 carries for 291 yards and four four averaging four yards carry with one touchdown on the ground but 71 targets out of the backfield 56 receptions for 512 yards and nine touchdowns as a running back you can't downplay in any way shape or form how important Jarek mckinnon was to the chiefs offense last year and how important he'll be going forward knowing pacheco's the guy Mm -hmm. but mckinnon has found a very specific role and he's very very good at it andy Reid has found something that is and is a problem for opposing defenses. He receives the votes for comeback player of the year as well. Um, I know Geno Smith was a lot for that award, but a, a guy who had 800 total scrimmage yards. That's the second most in his career that he's ever had. Obviously, the 512 yards is the most receiving yards he's ever had in his career. Quite, he, some could argue it is the best year of his career, obviously ending in a Super Bowl. What I what I looked at when I started looking at all of his receiving numbers, his catch percentage was 78%. Like he was targeted 71 times at 56 catches, uh, longest touchdown, 28 yards, nine touchdowns, as you mentioned. A guy who is valuable in the passing game in as catching the ball, but also blocking as well. We've seen him be yeah. incredibly crucial in terms of what it is to be that extra blocker. That chip help, I think, really helped in the Super Bowl when it comes to uh, helping off on that left side, picking up blitzing linebackers coming up from the middle. He's not afraid to stick his nose in there. And he's he's the definition of a dog, I think, Jerick McKinnon. When you look up dog in the dictionary, you're yeah. going to see Jerick McKinnon right there. I love what you said about, we talk about versatility and uh, vision is the big word for running backs. Yeah. Uh, it was a huge discussion leading into the draft of like, what are the most important traits for a running back uh, to get drafted by the Chiefs? Like pass catching ability, dynamic ability in the open field. And a lot of people kept bringing up pass catching. It was a lot about Deuce Vaughn. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Like, that's where a lot of this was coming from. Um and I hope he does well down in Dallas. But yeah. as far as Jarek McKinnon goes, some of the highlights that we've seen, and one of the reasons that he's so good out of the backfield is his vision. And Andy Reid, those offensive linemen, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Joe Tooney, they're so good at getting out in space. Andy Reid's so good at um, 
practicing and honing in on the details of making sure the spacing and the timing of when the guys are out there and when they're catching the ball and Jarek McKinnon's ability to let the defenders or excuse me, let the blockers get out in front yeah. of him and just kind of throttle down a little bit. Let those big guys do some work, clear some lanes for you. But that vision that we're highlighting and we watch on the highlights all the time, it also shows up in the pass blocking because Tucker and I know because you're a nerd and all of us do pay attention to this stuff. Uh, me, not as much as I used to, but still, uh, there were a handful of plays where Jared McKinnon in pass blocking chips and edge rusher coming off or he's staying in the backfield, but then picks up a stunt or a twist and then slides back into the inside where a player is coming free from the other side that you wouldn't blame a running back for not seeing it when he's engaging with the defensive end and then gets his head back inside and sees a guy coming from the opposite C gap around the center and around uh, to like the opposite B gap um, on the left side. I, I can visualize, I can see the play in my head uh, that I, a couple of times where he's been able to do that. And that as much as of a highlight that we should be featuring and promoting as anything else uh, that you don't see that that often no. from guys at that position. That's something you can't replicate. You can't expect any kind of a rookie to come in and be that advanced and something like that. I know Andy Heck probably loves him because he's like an offensive lineman in a, in a running back's body. Um, he's not afraid, as I said, to stick his nose in there. And because sometimes you see running backs get a little hesitant when it comes to guys blitzing, and he can he he spots the the shifts and the and the stunts and and whatever they do, he spots it so well that you're just like, how do you see that from behind these behemoth human beings? You're still able to see uh, all of these things happen. So I I love Jarek McKinnon. I loved him when he was with Minnesota and I loved him when he was with San Francisco. Now I'm glad he gets to play for my favorite football team as the running back, because he's one of those guys that the team teammates love him. You get to see all the videos of like him and Clyde Edwards, Alaire uh, goofing around during training camp and making fun of each other. And that, he's a great locker room presence on top of just being a guy that you want on your football team, a guy who's not afraid to get in there, get dirty and just kind of do everything. He's a do everything guy at the running back position. He runs angry, just like Pacheco does, and uh, very, very, uh, very happy that they resigned him. Absolutely. All right, we've narrowed down the top seven, or excuse me, the bottom seven. We've got yep. three more to go on the most impactful move the Chiefs have made. And again, we appreciate everybody for hanging out. Uh, can't say it enough. Now that we're thirty minutes into this show, uh, so if you're listening to this, you are exactly who we are speaking to. Can't thank you enough for supporting what we have going on uh, at KC sports network. I know we say it every year. We talk about it a lot that doing cool stuff with your friends and, and what we've been able to do so far has only been possible because people are supporting, listening, engaging um, what we've been doing. And uh, there's a lot of really exciting things. I feel like we say this all the time. There's a lot of really exciting things we're going to get to announce that are going to help take KCSN and make it even bigger and better and be able to do more cool stuff, give back to our community in some really impactful ways. And again, I, appreciate everybody who supported what we had going on when we were still figuring it out. We're still figuring it out as we go, uh, but we've been able to make an impact in the community. We've been able to carve out a little niche within this Chiefs content space where it's so competitive. There's a lot of noise out there and there's a lot of really talented people uh, that we all respect. That we're friends with a lot of these people. It's yeah. a beautiful thing about right. this Chiefs content space is a lot of us have known each other for a very long time and respect and support one another and know that it's not a zero-sum game. So, Sorry to get on my little soapbox, but I think about it all the time, how lucky uh, we all are to be supported by um, everybody out there who's listening. So thank you. We're going to take one more quick break, uh, pay a few more bills, yep. and then uh, we'll be right back and we'll go through the top three moves the Chiefs made this offseason. 
Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, welcome back to KCS and Update. BJ Kissel hanging out with Tucker Franklin. We've gone through seven moves the Chiefs made this offseason that we think are going to be impactful. We've ranked them in order, and now we are at our top three. I know uh, as we get to top three, there was discussion as we were making mm-hmm. this list, which is hopefully we'll carry on to this. We had a good discussion about it. Uh, but number three, I think all of these might be in a, a little bit separate of a tier than some of the others, especially this one right here that very easily could have been higher which I think will surprise some people. But Drew Tranquil, mm-hmm. uh, the free agent linebacker the Chiefs signed coming over from uh, the division rival um, LA Chargers. Uh, it's going to be tough for Drew not to be picked as a preseason favorite to win the division for the first time in his career. So we'll see how he handles that. Um, but Drew Tranquil, I think Brett Veach said it publicly during a press conference that wasn't a player they were initially seeking out, just kind of fell into their lap. And was like, this guy's available for this contract. Uh, Drew Tranquil can end up being a huge, as evidenced by him being number three on our list. He's one of the players I'm most excited about, Tucker, going into this season because he's the right guy, right skill set for this defense with Spags in today's NFL. So it's really interesting what what he can do. Uh, He had an interception last year, played in all 17 games, started 16 of them, had five sacks as well with 146 tackles. Say that one more time. 146 tackles. 146 tackles with five sacks and a pick. You don't see that combination a whole lot, especially in, in today's NFL, but he's a linebacker that can cover. Yep. Huge. Absolutely huge. A linebacker who can blitz and get home. Huge. And a guy who has ball skills. Huge. So I, I, I think I'm more excited to see what Steve Spinello can do with him because you've seen him play I don't want to say at all three levels because I don't know if we see him play stand up on the on the defensive line all that much, but we've seen him in that safety position. We've seen him in the linebacker position, and he's able to hang with wide receivers and, and this coverage ability. And now I know that there might be a little bit of a rub there with kind of the same skill set with Willie Gay. The Chiefs are going to have to figure out what they want to do with Willie Gay coming up here pretty soon, just with the contract, um, if they want to extend him, if they want to uh, let him walk or, or whatever, whatever that is, but. Drew Tranquil, in this sense, I think adds more versatility and more depth to a position where we did see a decent amount of injuries last year. Not a whole lot of guys left, but uh, Willie Gay did so. I think he was suspended for maybe a game or two. Then I think he did come up with an injury. But I think this is a good... um, I don't necessarily want to say depth because I think he's going to get a lot of snaps. I think he's going to get a lot of play for the Chiefs. But I think this adds a little bit more versatility uh, into games where the Chiefs might need an extra linebacker in there to stop the run, but a guy who can also cover the pass when it needs, when there's play action passes, stuff like that. So I really like what he adds uh, to this defense on top of what they already have with Nick Bolton, Willie Gay. Leo Chanel is a guy too. I think that is really exciting to see his development 
and and Nick Bolton even talked about it in his press conference the first uh, the first time the media got to speak with with the with the Chiefs players this season this offseason he said Drew's been just teaching us he's been schooling us he's been t- telling us everything that he knows and it's been good all those guys are soaking that up so I'm really excited to see kind of like that that Tyron I don't want to compare him to Tyron Matthew but I think he can be used as a chess piece like Tyron Matthew was in that Super Bowl winning season yeah I'm on pro football focus right now looking at where all Drew Tranquil lined up uh, and where he played all of his snaps so uh, majority of snaps, 850 snaps inside the box. Not a surprise there. Obviously, he's a linebacker. Uh, 70 snaps as a slot corner, yeah. uh, lining up a little bit outside. And then 50 snaps as a D-line, which means yeah. I'm guessing either like one of those amoeba fronts, he's lined up in an A-gap, yeah. or yeah. he's off the edge, kind of like you just talked about. So 50 snaps out there. So you'll get about 1,000 snaps, 85% of those coming from inside the box. And then just a few in some certain situations, probably some high leverage situations some third and longs some of those NASCAR type packages where you know he's going to be on the field because of his skill set. But for me, every time we played the chart, and this is why I got excited. Every time we played the Chargers, there would be a couple of times during the game where some play to the flat. It was one of those McCall Hardman jet sweeps or a quick bubble screen would just get stopped immediately. And some player would be flying out there and make a play. I'm like, what DB just came out? That was a good tackle. Like what DB? And you find out it's a linebacker and you're like, that's today's linebacker. Like yep. that's a dude who's running up, making plays at or behind the line of scrimmage. He's not waiting. Um, he reacts. He's a playmaking linebacker. And I feel like with, you know, Nick Bolton, who's as solid as they come, if he gets his hands on you, you're going down. Mm-hmm. I know that Nick Bolton's one of the most polarizing play people to talk sure. about for those who study the film. And then for those who just, want to root for the players and we all want to root for the players. Uh, But to say that players don't have strengths and weaknesses, isn't doing anybody justice uh, to, to share your opinions. Nick Bolton, one of the best linebackers in the NFL limited in some ways in those ways is exactly what true tranquil does. (laughs) So does that work together? Can you figure out, can Spags figure out a way to highlight both of their skill sets while not negating uh, and creating issues Mm -hmm. um, that the offense would then try to exploit for that. But either way, for the contract that he signed, which I believe was like $3 million. Yeah, I believe it was one year, $3 million, which they signed him and Mike Edwards to identical deal. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's like Spencer Ware and Trickhandrick West back in the day. Yeah. Same, same <laughs> position, same exact deal. Right. Uh, be a, yeah, that'd be funny if all, all of it was the same. But like that was like copy and paste, change the name, sign it. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to get a, a player with his skill set at a playmaking position at 27 years old, uh, unbelievable uh, signing there for the Chiefs. And I think probably uh, if you had to rank like Veach's moves just from a contract and from a roster composition financial standpoint, Drew Tranquil could very easily be number one. Uh, It wasn't what I think he's going to do from an impact standpoint. And a player is going to go out, play really well, and could very easily then get a big payday. I don't no idea why he didn't get paid after the season he had with the Chargers. He goes to Super Bowl, makes an impactful play. Some owner is going to give him a check. And then the comp pick formula, it's going to end up being a huge thing for the Chiefs going forward if he stays healthy because I think he's going to make some plays. All right, let's move on to number two, yeah, which will give away number one for right. anyone who's in the back of their heads like, you haven't talked about a couple of plays. All right, number two, Jawan Taylor, mm-hmm. offensive tackle. <laughs> Can't really specific, specify a position yet. Yeah. Um, but Jawan Taylor at number one, number two, wherever you want to put him, uh, makes sense. Solidified a position for the Chiefs that down the stretch, Orlando Brown Jr., Andrew Wiley, don't want to make, say anything negative about what those guys did in helping the Chiefs win a Super Bowl. Andrew Wiley played his best football and the Chiefs needed him to play it. To be fair, we spent a lot of time during the regular season 
talking about how many pressures Patrick Mahomes was under and how much he was scrambling. They were still the number one offense in the league, which was just proving how great Patrick Mahomes was. But it's like, how much better could he be if you gave him like a couple of like, go go back, Eric Fisher, Mitch Schwartz. Right. When those were his two tackles, he had 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns and one of the two best statistical seasons for a quarterback in NFL history. Um, who knows what Patrick Mahomes could do with two tackles who are giving up the kind of pressures during the regular season that we saw last year. I think that's why Jawan Taylor, besides the versatility and just the fact that he's a premium position, premium talent that was available, that she did a great job of bringing in. Uh, I think he solidifies the offensive line, and hopefully Mahomes won't be under so much pressure, uh, which will hopefully lead to less hits and um, less banged up, which will yeah. help everyone. Uh, uh, my anxiety. Right. But definitely help. You, before you, I hold my breath every time he gets tackled. I yeah. physically am like, get up. Get up. It could just be like a simple tackle, and I need to get tackled on every play. Every time he scrambles, gets hit, holding my breath. It's the scrambles for me. It's not necessarily like the sacks. I know the sacks is when he got hurt. Yeah, that's when he hurt the ankle. Was on a sack, I believe. Quarterback sneaks. I don't have to worry about those. Yeah, don't have to worry about those. The quarterback sneak is when I was like, oh my gosh. Anyway, back to Jawan uh, Taylor. But yeah, so when you look at Jawan Taylor's physical profile, as you mentioned, Mitch Schwartz, Eric Fisher, both pretty athletic guys, both pretty athletic offensive tackles. Juan Taylor is a very athletic offensive tackle. Um, a bit more athletic than what Orlando Brown was, and no knock to Orlando Brown. I think he I actually think that he's going to do well in Cincinnati because I think the style of quarterback fits Orlando Brown a little bit better. The balls out very quickly. Correct. Andrew Wiley, not as athletic as Juwan Taylor. Wanya Morris, the guy that they drafted, a pretty athletic offensive tackle. So if you look at kind of the mindset, kind of how they're building this offensive line, athletic guys. Guys who can uh, pass protect and guys who who can kind of stick with some guys. The contract, I think, for a lot of people, again, we, when we talk about this offensive line, I feel like the process always comes up with with kind of how they did it. Four year, eighty million dollar contract, uh, sixty mil guaranteed, forty was that signing. Um, that is about average in terms of left tackle money. But if you move him to the right tackle, he becomes the highest paid right tackle. Um, and I think some people wince at that and maybe the right maybe the right word i don't necessarily it, it doesn't matter it doesn't it doesn't matter at all it doesn't and i think that that's what people are kind of upset about is in terms of the process but i think he's going to be good wherever he plays it matters to agents of impending right tackle free agents what position he ends up playing because then the agents for a right tackle who's about to get paid is going to look at the market and say Jawan taylor's a right tackle here's where the market got set and then the other side's going to say, no, he's a left tackle. That's what he got paid as. Right. That's the only issue that Brad Beach has created. Because outside of that, it's the composition of the money that you're spending to get players on the field. For sure. If you really break it down and start going position by position, that matters for the next deals and the way that the market is set, which has nothing to do with the Chiefs right now. Uh, outside of maybe, it wouldn't even have anything to do with the Donovan Smith. Because that was a completely different thing. Yeah. But the way that agents and that, uh, agencies and all of those use what's happened within the market to establish the conversations and the negotiating, the leverage to try to get your player as much money the next year. That's where it's going to get confusing of you paid him at this. Where is he actually going to play outside of that for Chiefs fans? It doesn't. He's on your team and then let him figure it out. Andy Reid is not sitting there at practice with Brett Beach saying, well, we can't move him over because we're paying him this much. Like, no. Put the best five guys on the field, and that's what this Jawan Taylor signing was about. And I think that that's what they're doing right now as we go through these these mini cam practices, right? 
these aren't ma- mandatory right now as we're recording this podcast these practices aren't mandatory so you're not seeing every guy show i think travis kelsey wasn't there so if travis kelsey is there is it really that important probably not uh, so you're seeing a bunch of different offensive line configurations. I personally do think that they're going to go with the best five. I think they're just going to put their best five guys out there, kind of see how they go. I think the the one I got my eye on is like the first practice, a first rep of training camp. Yep. What are they going to do uh, when they have that team session, when they call for it? Who's going that to be the ten? <laughs> right. They're run all their gassers and all their, their conditioning tests in the morning. Hopefully everybody passes it. They come out and do that afternoon 10, 10, 10. And the first pass is always going to be a deep one because yep. he read is a fan favorite and he knows he knows what the people want. You go out there that first day, that short practice, that first day of training camp, everybody talks about it. They're not in pads, they're in shorts. They were sprinting and doing a conditioning test earlier. That first pass is going to be a deep one. It's going to get everybody excited. The question is, who's it going to be? To? Is it going to be the MBS? I think it has to be. You can do the Scott, the Justin Ross, and oh just my goodness, just set Twitter Chiefs Twitter ablaze. With Chiefs, I'm sure they did a kick out of sitting back and just being like, "Watch what happens if we do this." That'd be good, but no, I really do like uh, Jawan Taylor. We did have a conversation about these top three. Jawan Taylor, I actually personally, I argued for for Drew Tranquil at number two um, ahead of uh, Jawan Taylor, just because I believe in that guy so much and what he can do for the defense. Listen, I do think that he's going to have a very good year. Wherever he plays on that offensive line, I think he's going to be incredibly productive and it's going to be good for Patrick Mahomes in this offense. All right. Let's move on to number one. Not a huge surprise at this point. And I'm bullish on him. I've been bullish all offseason because I think of of what he can do. I loved him coming out of the draft. But Charles Mm -hmm. uh defensive end slash NASCAR pass rushing. They can do it all, man. Swiss Army knife extraordinaire. Uh, that's why when you hear me talk about Charles Amenahu, I talk about him being inside. I know he's listed as a defensive end. His most impactful place that you're going to see from him is lined up inside next to Chris Jones in passing situations. Uh, the attention that Chris is going to get and Amenahu's lateral agility and acceleration, speed, fluidity, all of those things are going to be on display as he stunts, twists, and turns and takes advantage of all the attention that Chris Jones is getting. That's why I advocated for him to be number one here uh, because you need more pass rushing outside. Obviously we talked about it. Mm-hmm. You need more than Chris Jones. You need guys around him making plays. They got Felix and Duque. They've got George Karloftis, both going to be very good. Hopefully whether it's Frank Clark, Carlos Dunlap, one of those veterans, you bring another one of those guys in, you get guys like Turk Wharton right. back who was injured. Um, hopefully you get some production from some other guys who are developing as young players. Uh, but Charles Amenahu, man, I can go on for a while, so I'll let you get your yeah. takes off before I just start rambling, but I couldn't be more excited uh, about a defensive player the Chiefs have signed over the past few years than Charles Manu because I think uh, they're going to have so much flexibility with what they can do with him up front because of his athleticism. This kind of was crazy to me. I was looking up because I was like, man, it's great to have an older guy in there for these guys. He's 25. Yeah. He's 25. He was born about a year, less than a year. He's less than a year older than I am, which is kind of crazy to think about there. Uh, when you're looking at his numbers, 11 and a half sacks, nothing like jumps off at the screen uh, in terms of the stat, the like the, the physical box score stats. But when it comes to just like his production, we talk about without defensive line all the time that production is much more than than tackles, than sacks, than stuff like that. It's yeah. a lot of pressures. The way he's going to be able to do, not only can he take some pressure off of Chris Jones, maybe, but pressure is going to be taken off of Charles a minute who, uh, when you mentioned Chris Jones, but the ability for him to go inside outside mm. and kind of the same thing with Chris inside outside. 
Um, the, the combinations that they can now do with this defensive line is just like mind-boggling, especially if you want to talk about guys who can stop the run and because they've got a pretty solid interior guys to get stop the run. If they want to throw Chris and both uh, uh, Charles O out there, that can be just fine. So they've got so many different uh, combinations that they can use. And you mentioned guys like, you know, bringing on like a Frank Clark or, or a, or a uh, Carlos Dunlap. Those guys will be incredibly crucial, I think, but they do. They always need more. You always need more bodies on the defensive line. I mentioned it earlier when you're talking about Derek Nottie. You want to throw waves of guys at people. That's what you want to do with offensive lines. You want to throw waves of guys out there. But I think having some some more bodies out there is going to be great for the long term and great for the development of those edge rushers that they drafted with George Karloftis. Uh, BJ Thompson, another guy I think yep. they can really learn a lot from. Hmm. Uh, Charles Amena, who kind of, because he kind of wants to do the same it's thing. Similar kind of body. Type. Yeah, he wants to kind of do the same thing that Charles Amena, who wants to do, and obviously Felix as well. So I think that there's a lot of a lot of good things development-wise that can come from the signing as well. Yeah, and some people look at the box scores, had four and a half sacks last year, didn't light it up in that way, but you've got a young athlete who's played in some big games, talking about yeah. Charles Amena, who... Side his contract, two years, sixteen million dollar deal, got ten point six million guaranteed, which isn't nothing right. for a twenty five year old player going to a Super Bowl favorite team uh-huh. at twenty five years old and at twenty six years old, and then becoming a free agent again. You couldn't be, you couldn't have a better situation for a motivated, talented young player with experience to come in here and absolutely crush it for two seasons. If he comes in here and gets ten plus sacks this year. 10 plus sacks next year. I know it's a huge ask. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I'm bullish on him. I'm going to be bullish on him. He comes in and has any kind, we'll say eight, eight to 12 sacks in each of the next two years. He becomes a free agent at 27 with, say, one to be minimum of one Super Bowl victory, <laughs> maybe two. Yeah. You know how much money he's going to sign for? Like you have a player that is locked in for two years with that talent next to Chris Jones, hopefully for a very long time. Chris's deal hopefully gets announced soon. But that will be. That is the perfect scenario and setup and situation for Brett Veach. So shout out to Brett Veach and the entire staff to get that player at that age on that contract with this team. For sure. And a part of me is curious, too, if they were in on kind of him because he was traded from the Texans to the Niners. This was, I believe, two years ago in 2021. Part of me wonders if they were in on him at the trade deadline. Maybe thinking probably. Maybe we could get him, but then he hit free agency. It always like, seems oh, to happen. It's like the Chiefs are in on like the Chiefs are in on everybody. It's <laughs> like Brett's not afraid to pick up the phone and figure out what it would take to get anyone. I remember his name getting thrown out there at the trade deadline uh, a couple of years ago with, with Charles Minahu. So um good to see him on the team. I'm really excited. Just this defense as a whole, and I've said I think they can be a top five defense uh when it comes down to it. And uh, that's if the development comes through and if the guys we expect to perform perform. I think that they could be top five easily, especially when we talk about the young corners. And yeah. that's why Spag said that the corners are light years ahead of where they were last year. Uh, everyone's like, gets so excited. And it was like, man, how far behind were they last year? <laughs> you know what I mean? You look at it in different ways. And a lot of times rookies step in and they haven't played in that system. The lingo, it's all different. And you joked about it with, with Donovan Smith and how special is Patrick. Mahomes? I have no idea. I don't see what he's doing back there. I'm worried about myself. Um, but yeah, no, it, Either way, when you you look at it this way, the Chiefs some really really smart moves. Mm-hmm. Made a couple of big moves with the big free agent. The Jawan Taylor uh, move was a big one, big money thrown around. But as far as impact, a lot of these guys very specific roles. They don't need them to come in and play at the All Pro level uh, for the Chiefs to go back and win a Super Bowl. And that's the beauty of the situation the Chiefs are in right now. Uh, but guys, they want to play for a winning team. They want to play for a legendary head coach, and we're seeing that kind of play out now. 
excited on the wide receivers. Like, yeah, we could rehash the entire conversation we just had, but there's a lot of cool things to look for when you get closer to training camp. Um, before we wrap this up, any final thoughts, Tuck? I don't think so. Um, as I said, the defense, I think, is going to be a vastly underrated unit coming into this year. So uh, if you're looking up for a fantasy defense, maybe that's the one you go sneak and get as a Chiefs defense. I'm saying I'm not a fantasy football expert, but I, I really do like this Chiefs defense. We'll talk to Benny Heiss. We'll talk yeah. to our sports betting and our daily fantasy sports expert. Uh, make sure to go check out that channel. We've got some cool stuff coming up uh, over there and, um, and a sponsor coming over for that show. And tease that. 51 minutes into this show so it's cool stuff coming up we appreciate everybody for hanging out and again we appreciate all of your support of kc sports network we've got some cool stuff we'll be announcing over the next week or so once um things the ink dries uh we'll get all that stuff get all that stuff announced but we appreciate all your support uh hopefully you guys have a fantastic summer um and yeah enjoy the enjoy the downtime as we get ready for another exciting season of cheese football Please hit that like and subscribe and leave us a review um, on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. It does matter. People do look at those and it'll help us grow this channel. We appreciate all of you. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.